0: Make sure you have your photo IDs available. This is an alcoholic beverage edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools! I am Sean O'Reilly with the one and only Vincent Shen. How are you today, sir? Doing well. How are you, Sean? Not too bad. Uh, it's ridiculously cold, but I've made uh, that comment before, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But uh, if you're uh, just joining us, we're here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. Continuing with our consumer goods edition of industry focus, focusing on sin stocks. Uh, we've talked about e cigarettes, traditional cigarettes, and now we're going to talk about alcoholic beverages. Yes, we are. Uh, you didn't have any of those uh, in college, right? No, none at all. Not at all. Okay. Completely straight edge. Your mother would be proud. Um, So, first thing I wanted to cover was just kind of how the alcoholic beverage market is structured. Um, You know, and this obviously uh, is a segment of the total beverage market in the United States between juices, teas, soft drinks, coffees. And uh, alcoholic beverages seem to make up about 20% of that total number.
1: Yep, that's right. Um, Just to give you some perspective. So, when we talked about traditional cigarettes previously, globally, that's about an $800 Eight hundred billion dollar market, sizable as it is, alcohol, alcoholic beverages, on the other hand, worldwide, we're talking about almost twice the size at one point five trillion dollars. So this
0: is trillion with a T, with a T. Lots of alcohol, absolutely, big time. Um, so in the United States here, um, it's broken down to obviously wine, beer, and spirits, and uh, spirits is everything else that isn't wine and beer, I guess. Um, but uh, According to the Beverage Information Group, as of 2012, this is a little outdated, but a 5% of total volume went to spirits, 8% to wine, and beer makes up the remaining 87% of the volume. But with the actual dollars, it seems to be a little bit tipped you know, in the favor of uh, uh, the other ones, because obviously spirits cost more than a uh, six-pack of beer. Um, spirits taking up about 32% of the total dollar volume, wine 15, and then beer 49. What does it look like globally?
1: Uh, the numbers are pretty similar. Um, global market for Beer is about 45%, 30% for spirits, and then about a little over 20 for wine. Um, just to give you a sense of the, the dollar numbers there, it's $650 billion for beer globally for the sales. But the thing is, what's interesting is some of the smaller categories like uh, premixes and ciders and perries. they're very small sales, maybe about $12 billion, but they have some of the, the best growth. And uh, we're seeing that. Within the beer category as well, with craft breweries.
0: Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to talk about next was just the rise of craft breweries over the last you know five to ten years. This has actually been crazy.
1: Yep, it's really cool seeing some of these smaller players going out there, getting to business,
0: and putting out you know quality beer. Compa- I, uh, I I pulled this up from the Brewers Association that as of 2013, the data for 2014 isn't out yet. Uh, there were 2,822 breweries in the United States. 2768, so just under 2,800 were craft breweries. Um, 1237, so like you know, a little less than half of that were just brew pubs, like a bar that grew, brews their own beer over, like you know, where you can't see it, obviously. But 1,400 were microbreweries, and then 110 were regional craft breweries that obviously got a restaurant or something, fairly large facility. Obviously not on the scale of an AB InBev, which we'll talk about it in a little bit. Ship them, you know, to the state they're in, the surrounding states, and that's it. But that's a lot of just tons of little breweries around the United States.
1: Yeah, no, of course. And um what's interesting is that you know, I was reading earlier that in 1980, so not that long ago, there was only ten craft breweries in this country. So that growth ten. over the past—you know who they were? <laughs> I do not. But uh, I that growth over that the past forty years to almost three thousand—it's it's pretty
0: incredible. Everybody was drinking Bud back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently so. And um, you know they might be fragmented and smaller, but you know they're growing so quickly. They are counting for about fourteen percent of the beer market in the U.S. now, so about fourteen billion dollars in sales.
0: That was actually what stuck out to me was the uh, they make about seven point eight percent of the volume of beer that's shipped in the United States, but twice that number, the fourteen percent number that you just mentioned uh, for the uh, the dollar volume, the market. So they they clearly command a premium.
1: Yeah, of course, and. Um, with that growth, people are willing willing to pay for that 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 higher quality beer.
0: So, uh, for our listeners, because this is the Motley Fool and we try to invest foolishly, um, is there any way to get in on this craft brewing trend? Like, how do you define a craft brewery, and then is there a way to invest in this? Because this is this is a big big trend we're looking at here.
1: Sure. Well, officially, the Brewers Association will define a craft brewery as. Um, a small, independent, and traditional business. So, small, it has to produce less than 6 million barrels annually. Uh, Independent, uh, it has to be less than 25% owned or controlled by an alcohol company that is not itself a craft brewer. And then traditional in that the beverages have to derive their flavors from traditional brewing ingredients and fermentation, so no like malted beverages, or flavored malt beverages. In terms of investments, um, the thing is, there's not that many options.
0: You You pretty much just got Boston Beer and that's it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Boston Beer and the Crapper's Alliance, and otherwise most of them are simply not publicly traded.
0: Yeah, it was actually, uh, people have been noticing that the bigger players that we'll talk about here in a second have just been kind of starting to snap these up and just letting them run on their own, so yeah, I don't know. Thus is the future. Um, so, let's move on to the players in this market. Um, you basically got these, you know, four or five huge conglomerates with market capitalizations in the hundreds of billions of dollars, and then Boston Beer, and then tons of little local players that operate in one city.
1: <laughs> exactly. At least for the beer market. Um, moving over to like spirits, for example, you have companies like Diageo, uh, and in France, like Pernod Ricard, and. Um Sprinkle in a little S.A.B. Miller, or Grupo Modelo. Exactly. <laughs> and then in wine, it's, it's kind of similar in that it's extremely fragmented. And you have some of the biggest wine players like Constellation Brands and the wine group. But even then, they maybe control single-digit market share percentages.
0: And, and uh, touching on a previous episode, uh, Altry actually owns uh, Chateau St. Michel wines that you see a lot of... Uh restaurants and everything, so they're trying to get in on the game, too, but very, very fragmented. Um, so, one of the largest craft brewers that we just mentioned, Boston Beer, it's got a market cap of $4 billion, and that compares to the other ones how? To give you, in terms of the largest Yeah, just brewers? market cap, just to Oh, yeah,
1: sure. Well, you know, Boston Beer, like you said, coming at 4000000000 billion. Anheuser-Busch is about $180 billion. Um, then you also have S.A.B. Miller at about $60 billion. Heineken at forty billion, Molson Coors about fifteen billion. So it's uh, it's the big gorilla for the crap breweries, but compared to the the big companies,
0: it's small so and in AB InBev they still make up a huge chunk. Even though you know Budweiser's been losing a little bit of ground to the crap brewers, and just that's kind of what's been going on. They still make up a huge percentage of total beer volumes. Yes. Um,
1: I think I saw earlier that for AB InBev they are able to have about twenty percent of the market share globally for beers. That's
0: a lot of Budweiser.
1: I mean, it really, really is. Well, they also, you know, they have, of course Budweiser you know, being one of their core brands, but they also have Stella Artois, Corona, Beck's. Um, they definitely have a very strong uh, product and brand portfolio.
0: So, uh, moving on, what's been going on with the spirits category? Because that seems to be the the higher growth, kind of the the premium thing, that's been also going on.
1: Sure, um, as with some demographic changes and with the economy kind of improving overall in a lot of uh, places all over the world, there has been a trend towards more premium liquor. And how is that defined? That's generally considered uh, anything that's priced over twenty dollars retail.
0: Okay, so any vodka that I see at the store more than twenty bucks.
1: Vodka, whiskey, exactly. Those things are that'd be considered in the premium category, and those are doing quite well, um, especially in Asia Pacific areas.
0: So they're starting to like their their vodka and their whiskey, and (laughs) exactly, (laughs) fantastic. Uh, So bringing it back around for uh, all our foolish investors listening, how can we invest if we want some kind of exposure into the sin stock world of alcoholic beverages? What's your favorite company? What's what? How are these companies being valued now? All that good stuff.
1: Sure. Um, if we kind of go by category, we can knock out wine versus being a simple one just because. It's amazing that we, you really can't if you want to. you got Constellation. That's kind of it. Exactly. They're mostly privately owned, so it lim- definitely limits your options. If you move over to beer, um, I'm sure a lot of people want to try and cash in on that explosion of the craft breweries, but like we mentioned.
0: I suppose we could start one.
1: <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, there's only maybe a handful of publicly traded craft breweries. Boston Beer, like we said, is being the biggest in terms of the larger companies. Depending on how you, how you see the strength of their brand, for their, really their valuations, for example, Anheuser Busch, uh, pretty okay for the valuation, not bad. Um, but it's definitely trading at some of its its highs. Do you think
0: because? Uh, these things are, pre- in my opinion, priced for perfection. They all have PEs at best in the low twenties. Do you think the big players like the AB InBev they have a growth profile that warrants this kind of valuation?
1: Well, for the just for the industry overall, their growth rates being around for beer about three percent, unless they can kind of cash in on on some of the higher growth segments it'll be difficult for them to it's kind of like jockeying for position. Um, otherwise, even with that explosion, like we said, of the, the popularity of crap breweries, it's still a very small percentage relatively of the overall market. So it's not going to move the needle that much.
0: So if I made you pick a stock in the industry, which one would you go with?
1: Personally, I'm a Sam Adams fan. I might go with Boston Beer, even though they are definitely a little bit more richly valued.
0: Four, Forty-five times forward earnings. <laughs> I,
1: I I just like a lot what they're doing in terms of um, some of their seasonals and and their. Well, they're got, getting in the
0: cider game too.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. With Angry, with Angry Orchard, Orchard which, yeah. which is also another extremely high growth segment. Right. And they're you know they're doing very well with their operational efficiency, transferring from you know each, each seasonal series and. Uh, improving their sales that way
0: very cool the uh yeah it's always amazing me i if i had to pick i'd probably be a diageo man they seem to have a little bit more conservative p at around 20 but then they've got all those awesome brands dividend you probably can't go wrong with it's got like a three just under a three percent yield i think so
1: yeah oh yeah the yield is something good to mention it's just an interesting industry because you know a lot of these companies the bigger ones is are international, so uh, it might be a, a, a new move for some of our listeners to, to branch out from U.S. companies.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you for your time, Vince. Thank you, Sean. And uh, for our listeners, just before we go, I wanted to uh, make uh, all of our industry-focused listeners aware that there's a special op- uh, offer to subscribe to The Motley Fool's Market Meeting Stock Advisor newsletter. Uh, Just head over to focus.fool.com to learn more about the special offer. And uh, that's it for Industry Focus. Thanks for listening and Fool on.